And now it's my great pleasure to introduce a person who has, is always teaching us to clean our hearts, to be inspired to pray. He's a poet at heart himself, our own inspiring spiritual director, the Reverend Patrick Cameron. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Reverend Catherine. Well, good morning. So let's sing a song, say a prayer. Not that we haven't been singing and praying. Good morning. If you'd like to stand with me and sing, that would be lovely. And if you'd like to stay seated, that's, that's good too. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every Spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you to know with me. This one life, we are immersed in it, and it is immersed in and through and as us. And so I give thanks this day for that awareness, for that recognition, and knowing that as I choose it, it chooses me in that vibration of the Most High, as in and through and as all that I am, open, receptive, vulnerable, and standing grounded in the courage of the truth of who I am, whose I am. So I know every good thing necessary for each and every one of us to experience in this moment and each moment hereafter is divinely guided, received, acknowledged, and used with a meaningful and powerful way in our own lives at whatever level. But it is all good and it is all God and we are giving birth to this consciousness moment by moment, day by day. And so I just celebrate this activity. I celebrate the beauty of this moment, this gathering, this beautiful day that is a gift. So in great gratitude, bubbling over in in gratitude and appreciation for all the teachers, mentors, and love that has brought us together this day, I give thanks. And knowing that continues to amplify and reveal itself in an even greater way in our experiences, my knowing and my offering. And with this said, I give thanks, releasing these words, and together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you for standing with me in that. Thank you, Brian. So Brian is filling in, and, and uh, well, all our musicians for Brown and uh, Sue, and they're traveling. They're, uh, and it's, it's a wonderful thing to watch, watch people's lives unfold and, and uh, opportunities. You know, we are, we are a, a launching pad, and so you'll see there's a fluidity to what we do because we really want, you know, part of the mandate for our movement and our organization is uh, touching and impacting 100 million lives. 
And so the opportunities to take some of our, our gifts and our consciousness and talent out into the world is something that I think that we can continue to explore. When using Deepak Chopra's book, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, and uh, uh, Deepak brings such great science to what we teach, and he really has kind of broken it down because he has a, a medical background. And I wanted to share, um, I had an experience this week, I was working on a, um, putting up a fence, not here, we've got a fence to go up here, but our men's group is working on that, and we don't want to take away from that opportunity, so... Um, our men's group fence here is in its third year of uh, construction and eventually we will bring it home, I know. <laughs> no wine before it's time. It's been interesting to watch and, and being a carpenter, it's everything I can do to walk by once in a while, not just want to grab a hammer and a nail, but it's all good. I just, I take a deep breath and it passes, I'm telling you. But I, I was working on a fence uh, with a young man, and I and, and I'm, uh, don't see him here today, but he, he was uh, an employee of someone that is a member of our center, and he didn't have any background of who I was, but 19 years old, just full of life and energy, and the most colorful vocabulary I've heard in, in years. And through the whole thing, uh, through the whole experience of working with him, it was interesting to listen, because what he had was a running commentary, and everything that came to mind for him, he expressed and, and over a period of time, I, I would kind of coach him and say, you know, as you do that, we lose concentration. Because really, when you work together, there's, there's sort of an energy. And so something would go wrong, and he would, he would do a little editorial on that, and with the problem with it. And I just kept kind of pulling him back, saying, you know, but the thing is, when we, when we, when we break like that, we, we lose our energy. And it's just a flow. So I didn't, without a whole lot of preaching, and a lot of times I just kept quiet, and I kept calling him back to what we were doing. But at the end, I said, you know, when we get this thing done, it's going to look beautiful. We're going to look at it, it'll be true and strong and straight. And, and uh, at the end, when we got there, I said, now look, look down that line, what we've done. It's a beautiful thing. But it was interesting because the, the, his practice was one of, of, of frustration and life's a battle, and he went on and on about a variety of things. And it was such a, uh, an amazing reminder to me of, of um, a lot of what my life looked like when I was 19 years old as well. So I want to, with, with that in mind, I want to share uh, a story that I found when I got home last night. Actually, it, I told Laura, it was an interesting day, but about a, uh, midnight last night, I heard this distinctive knock. And I woke up and I thought, who's knocking on the door? And many times I'll have that experience, so I thought, okay, it's time to get up. So I got up and I went down and I, I began to put some pieces together to share with you today. And then about two, I went back to bed. But I found this story, when I, and this, the knock, so the knock, knock brought me to this story. And it says, let it come to you. The quote that begins this is from Irene Manton. Nature cannot be forced, but only loved into visibility. Nature cannot be forced, only loved into visibility. Maureen O'Hara, the former president of the Saybrook Institute, tells how her mentor changed her life with a simple, gentle, clear instruction. She was studying biology at the University of Leeds with Irene Manton, the first female to ever use an electron microscope. After four days of trying to see a cell, Maureen frustrated, cursed the bloody thing. And Dr. Manton put her hand on Maureen's shoulder and offered a place of practiced wonder. Oh, Maureen, you won't see it if you hate it. You won't see it if you hate it. You will only see it if you love it. Then it will come to you. 
let it come to you. Isn't that interesting? The vibration of love, or the, and, and, it's so, and it was so interesting having this experience with this wonderful young man. Who had just, I, I just fell in love with this guy. Uh, that was working with me, but it was just a, you know, it was the, that whole energetic of frustration and, and battle, life's a battle. And then I found this story last night in the wee hours when, when the knock came. You will only see it if you love it, and then it will come to you. Let it come to you. Such a gentle, profound lesson. It is not enough to recognize the larger order. We must love it. We must not just look at it, but appreciate it, move toward it. Move toward it with awe. And then that awe emits its own gravity which pulls everything into view. That law, that emits its own gravity and that awe pulls everything into to view. It is a gravity that conforms our, confirms our place in the universe. This is why sincerity, curiosity, and gratitude are such strong, compelling tools of the heart. Sincerity, curiosity, and gratitude are such strong, compelling tools of the heart, which, when inhabited, bring us back into the web of life where we can feel how everything is connected. We know that. I mean, that's why we're here. But I think it's so much fun to come together and be reminded of that because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that, that we are all connected. We're connected to those little ones that are singing. As, that's our future choir going out the door right now, going in the back. Maureen continues, Maureen O'Hara continues to speak on how this small moment has affected how she views risk. In a world where risk is always considered in terms of transgressions, we often try so as not to violate others, to be judged, or get loving our way into the web of life, being fully alive, consider what will be missed if we don't try, if we won't take the risk. If we have an equal, if not greater, need to enhance risk so as not to slip into the lifeless watching of life passing us by. These notions about love and risk as forces that join us in the web of life have huge implications of how we understand education. So allowing and loving. Allowing and loving. We have to do the work. We have to, you know, we, 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 we come together. We need chairs so people can sit. We need a floor that's fairly level in, in a building, and especially in this climate. That, you know, we need somewhere we can come together in, in a, in, to a certain degree of comfort. But, but creating all that, and then when do we put it down so that we can allow it, we can love it into our experience? It's just fascinating. And I love that story. Oh, Maureen, you won't see it if you don't love it. Bring your love to it. And isn't that true? Don't we know through all the, the scientific research that's been shared over the last 20, 30 years about how the, the mindset or the consciousness of the person doing the research affects the outcome, how it's measured? Very interesting. Watched the movie The King's Speech yesterday. A wonderful movie. What a wonderful story. And, and uh, in The King's Speech, when uh, he hires, of course, it's the story of King George VI, and he, he, he finds a, a speech therapist to help mentor him into a proficiency around being able to speak publicly. And what, the, what, the, what his mentor, what his teacher realizes is that in order to have the relationship that will be most beneficial for the king is that he has to break down some of the, some of the, the boxes that the king is operating from. And so he begins to call it the King Bertie, which is a pet name his family has for him. And of course, the king is quite upset that anyone in a commoner would call him Bertie. Hey, did you guys notice there was a wedding last week? Anybody notice? Man, 
I'm so happy for those kids. And they finally got married. I was worried about them. Weren't you worried about them? <laughs> An example, though, of how much we long to celebrate life and how we want the best in the love for one another. And we can all, you know, at some level connect with that. I did not get up in the middle of the night to watch it or whenever it was on. But I'm really happy that they got it done. But in the, in the king's speech, what he has to do is he has to, it's such a great example of what Deepak's talking about, he has to reset some of the, the, the mindsets and the consciousness of the king so that it'll open up to a different possibility. And he has to plant some seeds and nurture him and mentor him into the understanding that he is capable of being articulate. And that part of his challenges. But it's interesting. Isn't it interesting how the, the challenges we have in our lives are many times our gifts because when we master that proficiency, it, it creates a greater sense of aliveness in our lives. And Deepak writes about it in, in this, this, this chapter that I'm, I'm using today. It's in your genes, the seeds of change. A gene, we used to believe the genes were static, that they couldn't be changed. Now, Bruce Lipton has done a lot of work on this in his book, The Biology of Belief. A gene may be switched on or off on a fixed schedule. A gene may be turned off and on depending on a person's behavior and experiences. And a gene may turn on and off as a combination of both of the above. The, the latest research shows that there's about 20 genes involved with how tall any of us become. It has more to do with that than it does about genetics. But, and, 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 the, and still the popular thinking is it's one gene that many people believe it's one gene and it's many factors. There is 30 million differences between each individual in terms of the genetic makeup. So the single gene theory is no longer valid, although it's still a very popular idea in the cultural conditioning. The Dutch, for example, Deepak talks about the Dutch. It's taken the Dutch 150 years to become the tallest group of individuals on the planet. They don't know why, but what triggered that for them? But it's a, it's a shift at the genetic level with the genes. The, the Japanese have jumped in height since World War II. They decided that it's some un, unspoken thing to get taller. Uh, dogs went from 40 breeds in the Victorian England in 1870. We now have over 400 breeds of dog. Just interesting, the, the approaches and how things shift and change. Consciousness shifts and changes. What's happening with medicine, what's happening with all sorts of things. Deepak writes about it on page 76 of, uh, it's this yellow book, we have them in the bookstore, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul. Page 76, some neat stuff. Genes cannot govern all the other factors that make you who you are. A gene, for example, did not give you a love of gardening. A mania for collecting postage stamps. A taste for Bach or an image of the person you would fall in love with. What would happen, though, if we stopped looking at DNA physically? Let's bring genes into the field of awareness and see how they respond. DNA is a memory bank storing every experience in the past that makes us human. Instead of letting those memories use you, you can use, learn to use them. You can learn to use them. We are not driven by our memories. Present moment awareness, inspiration. And, uh, but many people don't believe that. Many people don't have the exposure to this, to this amazing, uh, powerful teaching. And if, you, and if you share these ideas with people that are still in that old paradigm of, of way of thinking, they think you're, uh, you're off a little bit, let's say. 
we are off a little bit. We're pushing the envelope of consciousness. The things, you know, if you look back 50 years, 50 years ago, all, all kinds of things were going on that are no longer going on. Well, who knows what will be in another 50 years? What is seeking expression? And, and it's always giving birth, and it's always slow, and that's not a bad thing. Taking our time and giving, checking it out. Your DNA is no more physical than the other parts of your body. It is made of energy, and you can change its energy patterns through a change of awareness. A mere wisp of desire is enough to affect DNA. A mere wisp of desire will affect your DNA. Deepak calls it epigenes. It's genes with EPI at the front of it, epigenes. Every strand of DNA is wrapped in a buffer of complex proteins, the epigene, and that somehow trigger a gene to turn off or on. And we trigger the genes off and on by certain experiences. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So how do we, how do we trigger it? There's a whole list here of how we turn it on, tuning in or turning on. He said, you feel detached. One of the things you'll know is that if you read this list over and ask yourself, how many items apply to you personally? Well, the first item is you feel detached from your body and what it's saying. So do you feel connected to your body? And see, the opportunity here is if you feel disconnected from your body, why would you feel disconnected from your body? This amazing thing that brought you here today that's, that's traveled all over the planet. Could you have been better to it? Could you take better care of it? Perhaps. I mean, we probably all do some improvement there. But do you feel connected to it? It's, you find it hard to feel physical pleasure. You compare your bodies unfavorably to that of other people or some ideal for the perfect body. You feel ugly or unwanted in the body you have. It makes you unhappy to imagine your body shape. Being touched makes you uncomfortable. The whole list of things to check in. See, this is not a bad list. This is a great list to be able to look at. You feel clumsy and uncoordinated. The only time you liked your body was when you were young. You physically don't consider yourself feminine enough or masculine enough. Your body sometimes doesn't seem to belong to you. These negative attitudes, Deepak says, range from mild to severe. And yet your body always senses when it's being ignored or judged unfavorably. For most people, ignoring their body has become a habit. Exposing their body to undue stress scarcely brings a second thought. After all, don't we assume that modern life has turned stressful beyond our individual control? If you were really tuned in your body, you'd feel its discomforts before they demanded your attention. So it's practice. It's awareness. That's present moment awareness. And so how we trigger and activate things is we, find, we, we move to things that make us feel better. He, does a, in a, he talks, tells a story in here of mice, research with mice. And they know that mice that were nurtured when they were little, the little mice are nurtured by their moms. In other words, the moms would groom them continually. They were uh, less affected by stresses as they went along. And the ones that received very poor parenting uh, succumbed to the stresses in a different way. But it's fascinating to watch. And so we, we turn on these epigenies through our choices, present moment awareness. And that's why spiritual practice is so important. That's why it's so important to have a conversation in our lives that, that elevates our vibration. It's energy. And we know that about the energetics of life. I want to invite um, someone up to share a story with you right now. He, he stayed for the, the service, but I'm going to invite Rob Carpenter to come on up. Rob uh, to, shared his story at the first service. But it, a prime example of things showing up in his life, in, in, in Rob's life, and this has been a journey of several years. 
But I wanted Rob to, to share his story with you today. Welcome back. Yeah, long time no see. <laughs> <clears throat> like Patrick said, my name is Rob Carpenter. Uh, my family and I, we've been members of the center. I'm trying to think how long, though. Uh, six, seven, a year, eight Could years? Could be. Yeah, probably. Um, three years ago, next month, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. After surgery, 33 rounds of radiation, a year's worth of chemo, a complete lifestyle change of mind, body, and soul, I'm pleased to announce that uh, I'm nearly healed. Um, With the continued support and guidance of Patrick and other members of of the community, uh, Dave Rochford, I know he's here this morning, uh, we took a meditation class together. He wrote for me a healing affirmation that I say every morning. As well as Patrick talks often about gratitude. I express gratitude every day. I'm actually quite grateful for this opportunity to share my story with you guys this morning. Um, <clears throat> when I was diagnosed, I remember standing over the hospital bed looking down at it, thinking... I'm not going to be that individual who says, why me? Woe is me. I know I'm healthy enough, I'm strong enough, and I have enough support to tackle this. So bring it on. And it's been three years. Um, some, I had to write some notes earlier because I know Patrick tried to uh, t- tell me to keep it to a minute. So uh, one of the things... I had to ask for was a sign. You know, Patrick says, you know, be open to receive. So I asked for signs. Show me I'm doing the right things. So that night I prayed before I went to bed in the morning. I took my sons to hockey. When I got home that Saturday after hockey, there's a message on my answer machine from Patrick. I didn't even realize he knew my phone number. For me, if there wasn't a stronger sign that I was doing the right things, then I don't know what there is. Um, what else? Um, I took a, took a meditation class here at the center. One thing I had learned was to help my brain heal, I had to quiet my mind. And the meditation classes really, really helped me in that fact. I know there's a couple of people that I took the class here this morning with. Um, uh, there was... Uh, um, one service Patrick did, he set up a couple of balloons and invited people to come up and pop a balloon to release something. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And it's probably balloon time again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I came up and he asked me what I wanted to re- release. And for me, it was fear. So I released my fear. Um, I've always been uh, an individual whose cup is half full. And through this journey... I've maintained my cup is half full with the guidance, once again, of Patrick and the spiritual community. I've been able to maintain a positive outlook on life. Uh, There's another individual, B. Murray. I'm not sure if she's here this morning or not, but uh, she's a great healer. She's there. Is she? Where's where's B? She's bobbing back and forth over there. I thank you, B, for your guidance as well. Uh, so the community here is very strong and very gifted and has helped me along my health journey. Uh, 
uh, once again, Patrick has always taken the moment. Uh, he's a busy guy. This guy's got a lot going on. And he'd always take a moment to spend a moment with me and my family. And I've been very grateful to look at this as not only a health journey, but it's also a journey in spirit. And I am truly grateful for the community that we have here and for Patrick. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. So it's, it's really, as Rob, Rob I mean, there's, there's a, a wonderful story about how we can support one another. And this, you know, this is not unique. This is happening in faith communities everywhere. But I think that, so to, I don't want to represent this as uh, unique and special because I think whenever, whatever turns the switch on for us, and opens the pathway to a different experience in consciousness. And this is what Rob is speaking about. I was walking to the back after the first service, and there was a woman standing there just really, I could tell she was really full of of, uh, things bubbling up for her and tears in her eyes. And I went over to give her a hug uh, prior to the final song being over. I said, what's going on? And she said, we tried really hard, as Rob had shared his story. And I remember sitting with her a number of years ago, and her 16-year-old son did not have the same outcome Rob is having. And, I, and it was interesting because it never occurred to me in having Rob uh, share his story, which is so empowering, that there are many here today that we've, we've done our prayer work, I've done my prayer work, and the outcomes that I've expected were different. And so I think it's important also to acknowledge those opportunities and when they come along because we don't know what, what is the highest and best for anybody. And all of us will, will trade in these earthly body temples for something else as we go along. But to look at that as failure, uh, and I know part of it is the grieving that goes on, but I want to acknowledge that, that, that life is at many times a mystery. And, and But the coming and going, we have this day to live in, and we have this day to love in, and those that we love are always with us. And I'm so grateful for Rob and his, his journey of, of dipping into the community and, and getting the inspiration. And he's, he's called upon many modalities that have kept turning the switches on for him. After service, he was showing me his MRI and the, and the dramatic shift and change in the, in the photography. And it's wonderful, and we celebrate that. But I also celebrate the life of this mother who lost her son and, and is still grieving that. And to be able to be with one another in, in whatever that is, but to be there in love and understand that this is life as well. We don't have all the answers. We don't proclaim to, to be masters of time, space, and dimension. We do the best we can. We bring our hearts and our souls to the best we can. We're vulnerable in this. We bring our curiosity and our deep caring and our compassion to life. And so it was just so, it was so interesting to have that experience for me. It was a blessing. And so when I, I, went, I went in the back, I went into my office after the, the reception line, and I had to do some prayer work for myself just because I wanted to bring some clarity to that experience as well. Everybody's experience is different. And we honor all of it, and it's all good, and it's all God. And those that we love are always with us. So I just I thank you all. And, and that's the beauty of what I think is so vibrant about this community. It's real. It's authentic. Let's keep the conversation real. Let's just honor and love one another the best we can. Deepak talks about this in terms of 
He talks about various modalities that will shift and change our experience. And he said that it seems that adopting new approaches, and he's talking about yoga, he's talking about meditation, he's talking about psycho, psychosocial support. He says that, that it, it, it now seems that adopting these approaches may stop or even reverse serious illness. Heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, prostate cancer, obesity, high cholesterol, and other chronic conditions show promising signs in this area. Only recently has research gone to the genetic level of explaining these beneficial changes. Hundreds of genes, it has been found, may be changing their expression in as little as a few months after patients change their lifestyle in a positive direction. At this moment, you are making all kinds of choices that weave together the quirky, unpredictable, and creative pattern of your life. Do your genes care? As it happens, they do very much. It has been shown that the death rate rises significantly after Christmas. For example, in the same spike occurs uh, after mortally ill people have a birthday. The implication is that when someone is dying, she can postpone her time of death until after a day that she wants to live to see. And it goes on and on. And we've we've all seen experiences of this. Uh, Reverend uh, Catherine mentioned in the... uh, in the uh, announcements today that um, Elaine Warwick and, uh, and Dale Warwick, brother and sister, and Elaine is married to Jim O'Neill, and, and Dale's married to Bernie Fritz. And once I figured the names out, it took me about four years to figure out who was married to who. And, but uh, they are in Saskatoon right now. And, and, and their father, John, uh, is very interesting because John has been sort of making slowly his transition, leaving the physical form to make his transition. About four hours before John made his transition, his wife, Elaine and, and Dale's stepmom, um, um, made her transition. And then as if the, they timed it together, there was some spo- unspoken agreement. John made his transition about four hours later. And so, of course, we mourn the passing and we share in the mourning of the, fa- uh, the ma- family experience. But it's interesting to watch the sort of the unspoken mysteries of life as they unfold. We're all, in this, we're all in this energetic vibration. How we turn the switch on is up to us. But I know that if we stand in, in our life and we complain and we, and we curse and we howl at the moon, we will bring into our lives more, more opportunities for cursing and howling and, and, and pain. And so it really is, I, I think what the collective ancient wisdom, new thought teaching requires of us is to be present with what's going on and to back off when we're holding on so tightly and to listen, to put a hand on our own shoulder as a metaphor for this story I began this sharing with and say, you won't see it if you hate it. You have to love it and love all of it. And that's, that's a stretch sometimes, but that really is our opportunity. And I know that we can all do that and continue to grow in that. And that's, that's our message. We become the message that we take to the world. So it's... It's a beautiful day. This moment is perfect. Jesus said, blessed are the pure of heart. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He was talking about this. The pure of heart is living from present moment inspiration. Despite the memories. Despite what has gone on. But they don't drive us. We choose and choose again. Over and over and over again. And so, so it is. Thank you.